before I get started, I really want to pray for what's going on in Ukraine today, the people's lives that have been totally uh, disrupted by war. And uh, we're praying for peace today. And uh, if I just would like for you to, because what goes over there, we're not isolationists because of the world is so closely knit together, our economies and things like that, that uh, it's going to it's going to affect all of us uh, war. And so we, we want to pray for the people of Russia, Ukraine. Uh, God loves them all. God loves Jesus died for the whole world, uh, not just for the people we like. He died for people that we dislike. He died for our enemies. He died for people that hate us. Uh, he divide, that died for people that despitefully use us. And he said, pray for, pray men out always to pray and not faint. So well, let's, let's pray for peace. Father, we just thank you and praise you uh, that you are God of peace. We thank you and praise you that you're everywhere at all time, filling all spaces. And Father, we pray that you move on the hearts of men uh, in the Ukraine and Russia who are making decisions that if uh, they can't hear from you, that you send people into their lives that can speak from you to them so that there can be peace. We know that lives are, are being turned upside down right now and, and it'll affect the whole world. So Father, we ask that uh, and that you grant us. We ask that you send people, that, that the Christians that are over there, uh, that are praying, uh, that have influence uh, with the lives of the leaders over there, that they get to them and speak to them. This we ask in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Well, family, it's good to see you all, those that, uh, that are tuned in. Uh, we thank you for your faithfulness to join us every Thursday at 1030 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And as I look out my window, I still see snow here in Indiana. So wherever you're at, uh, uh, we're believing that the uh, weather's a little better and that you're safe out there. We've been talking for the last several weeks about the God kind of love. And we want to, there's so many aspects of this. Actually, it's a subject that you can't exhaust. And uh, because God's love, it's infinite. God, God's love is inexhaustible. You know, uh, one thing that I've, I've come to understand, even about the Bible, is that everything that God is, is not written in the Bible. Everything that there is to know about God is not written in the Bible. And uh, God has given us this precious person to live on the inside of us called the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit leads and guides us in things that even, like I said, that you can't even find uh, addressed in the Bible, but he leads and guides us. And so it is with understanding uh, the God kind of love, uh, the agape kind of love, the love that's a decision that you see someone as valuable and precious. And, and you know, I, I believe that deep down inside uh, the conscience of all humans, the con whether you are Christian, Buddhist, atheist, it doesn't matter what you claim to be uh, your spiritual affiliations with, that in the conscience of all humans, that when we see another human being, we see someone who is just like us. 
we see another human being who is just like us. But what happens is because of the things that we have been taught, the cultures and where we live, and then we start making distinctions and differences and superiors and inferiors. But in deep down inside, we know that we're the same. Why? Because God has been placed on the inside of all of us. Our longing for God and who we are is on the inside of, and one of those things is that deep down inside, we know how we want to be treated. Well, that person who you're looking at, who is just like you, they want to be treated the same as you. We would call that the golden rule. Do unto others the way you have them do unto you. And it's not based on color. It's not based on sex. It's not based on sexual orientation. It's not based on economy. It's not based even on religious differences. It's based on the fact that there's something moral about us. There's a moral conscience and a moral compass that's only that God has placed. I believe it's in Romans 2.14 that talks about the conscience of God. The moral conscience of God has been placed in all men. And we know that when we see another human being, that they're just like us. But we believe all the lies that have been told that says <clears throat> somehow they're different from us. Well, that was a little off the beaten path, but I, I, I hope that that blesses you and just remind you of who we are as just as human beings. We talk. Uh, let me do a quick review. We talked uh, about liking or loving someone. We talked about the difference because uh, love goes beyond what you like in a human being in another person, and that love is superior to what you like, and you can keep loving someone even when you don't like them. We talked about uh, it's not someone else's job to make you happy or to get you healed. We talk about you have to stop going to the person that hurt you to ask them to heal you. Uh, the reason why they hurt you is because they were already hurting. And you don't go to hurting people to ask them to heal you. God wants to heal you. Jesus, The Bible says that Jesus was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. And so we talked about it's not... Uh, the person who's supposed to be in charge of your happiness or who God put in charge of your happiness was you. You're in charge of your happiness. It's not someone else. And it's not, I am not happy. Well, why aren't you happy? Here's one of the best ways that you can always be happy. Count your blessings. Count your blessings. Look around at the good that's in your life. Look around at the blessings that God has given you. Just the blessing of the fact that you can hear me. The blessing of the fact uh, that you rose up this morning and clothed in your right mind. Count your blessing because the God kind of happy comes through you being aware of how much God has blessed you. Uh, then we talked uh, about, or what we're going to talk about today is the power of this one word called love. The power that there is a unseen force behind this one word, love, that when we exercise this word, when we put this word into action, when we put action behind this word, there is a force that goes along with it. Now, let me make this distinction here. It's not a force to force people to love you back, 
but it's a force to overcome anything that's not loving you. The love on the inside of you can overpower it. The love that's on the inside of you can, can overcome and be untriumphant over love's greatest enemy is fear. The opposite of love is not faith, is not hate. The opposite of love is fear. And so when we know that God loves us, we're going to talk a little bit about this today. We can be in faith and we can trust God because this force on the inside of us will drive out anger and bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness, all these things that keep us from walking as the righteousness of God, all these things through this one word, love. So let, let's get right into it. Galatians chapter 5, um, verse 14, the apostle Paul is speaking here. I'm reading out of the Amplified Bible. He said, for the whole law concerning human relationships is fulfilled in this one precept, in this one word. Now, I'll repeat that. <laughs> For the law, talking about the Mosaic law, concerning human relationships. Relationships come from the root word relate, which means to connect. He says, our connections to all human beings, you shall, is in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That is, you shall have an unselfish concern for others and do things for their benefit. He said through this one word, the King James says, for all the law is fulfilled in this one word, L-O-V-E. Now, what's, what did we talk, why did they bring up the, why is Paul um, teaching uh the difference between grace at this time, Paul is teaching the difference between understanding the grace of God and the law of God that the Jews operated in through the teachings of Moses in the Old Testament. And the law of Moses was based on uh, sin and punishment. You sin, you get punished. You sin, you get punished. And so uh, they tried to keep that law through self-effort. They tried to keep that law uh, through forced obedience. They tried to keep uh, that law through self-will, that they tried to keep all the laws of thou shall not steal, thou shall not kill, thou shall not commit adultery, thou shall not bear false witness, and all of the thou shall not. And it was hard to keep those rules. It was a... It, 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 the, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 11. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is like. He, what he was referring to again is that the Mosaic law is hard because you have to do everything. If you do good, you get good. There is, we don't have any room for forgiveness. The only time you can be forgiven, if it's the high priest goes into the, on the day of atonement, he goes in once a year and he goes in and makes sacrifices for the sins of the people. But there was no daily forgiveness. There, there was not even the idea that one person could even forgive another person. They believed that only God could forgive people. And then Jesus comes along and he says, let me show you a, a, a part of God's love that you have never heard, that you've never understood. And let me introduce to you another a facet of God's love. And I come 
to represent that all the way from God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life and G and, and John went on in John 3:17 to say Jesus says that Jesus did not come to condemn the world then condemn means to reduce your value to zero Jesus said I will never reduce anyone's value to zero but through me I'm going to raise you through my love I'm going to give you the highest value that a human being can receive from God. In other words, God says, I'm going to treat you like I treat myself. And they struggled with understanding a God like that because for thousands of years, they had they, their relationship with God was through, uh, like I said, sin and punishment. And now Jesus introduces something to them called love and forgiveness love and kindness, love and goodness, love and meekness, love and joy, love and peace, love and humility, uh, love and forgiveness, love and compassion, all of these mercy, all of these things that they could now, up until this point, they would only look to God to get these things. But he said, no, I'm going to put love on the inside of you. Romans 5, 5. We've talked about this before. The love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And now you can treat people the way God treats you. Jesus said in John 13, 34, a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another the way that I love you. You now have the ability. Jesus went on to explain to them in, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. He said, I'm going to give you the ability to love your enemies. This one word, my God, this is good. This one word, I'm going to give you the ability to love your enemies. Bless those that curse you. Do good to those that hate you. Pray for those that despitefully use you. Uh, forgive everyone that ever hurts you. I'm going to give you that ability. And this, this love, the force that comes from this love is going to shape your, reshape your personality. It's going to get you from being self-centered. It's going to get you from just being uh, self-preservation and everything is all about me first. You know, I learned that growing up. The first law, uh, what was it we call that? The first law of nature is called self-preservation. And Jesus comes along in John 15, 13. He said, no, it isn't. If you're operating the way God operates, there's no greater love than this, than a person lays down their life for someone else. He said, that's the greatest love. It's not self-preservation. God says, I'll take care of you if you seek me first, according to Matthew 6, 33. He says, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear or anything. Seek me first. What is, what is seeking God's first? Seeking his kingdom. It's God's way of doing things. What is God's way of doing things? It's called L-O-V-E love. And so we're going to look at that. Uh, when Jesus came, he uh, they, they were wondering, are, are you here to change uh, the Jews that Jesus encountered, his people? Are you coming to change things? He said, no, I did not come. Matthew 5, 17. He said, I did not come to change the law. Not one jot or tittle shall pass from the law until all is fulfilled. He says, I came to feel, fulfill the law or to fill it full 
when I'm finished doing my earthly ministry, you don't have to now live by sin and punishment. Now, when you catch somebody in adultery, you don't have to stone them to death. I'm going to show you how to forgive people like that. When children are disobedient, under Jewish law, when a child was disobedient, you kill them. Now, I blink that's somewhere in the, in the book of Numbers. A guy picked up sticks on the Sabbath day. They kill him. I mean, there's a whole lot of killing going on uh, under the Mosaic law. And he says, we can end all of that. I'm going to die for your sins so that no one has to be punished for their sins, which means that they can be forgiven for their sins. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the almost too good to be true. Good news that Jesus Christ himself died for our sins. I quoted this scripture earlier out of Isaiah 53. You also find in 1 Peter 2.20, uh, uh, who his own self, 1 Peter 2.20, who his own self bear our sins on the tree that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by his stripes. We are healed. Uh, 2 uh, Corinthians 5.21 uh, said he became sin for us who knew no sin so that we could become the righteousness of God, so that we can be right with God, so that we can stand before God without any guilt, fear, condemnation, as if sin has never, ever existed in his life. And you ask, where did he get the motivation? What are we talking about? This one word love. This one word, love, is so powerful that it can motivate you to go beyond how you feel. It can motivate you to go beyond even what you're thinking. It takes you back to where God is. It takes you back to the place of God. And now it is a force that comes out of you. In fact, Paul says this in, in Ephesians uh, chapter three. Let me see. I, I got my notes uh, so that we won't have to take the time. I don't want to hold, uh, hold you up look, looking at scripture. So I just write them down for you so you can write them. Or uh, if you if you like what you're getting right now, please like and share this. Leave a comment if you're uh, watching me on Facebook live or you go to our YouTube at Pastor J uh, podcast, the Pastor J podcast. I would love for you to subscribe, uh, but to pass this on. But in Ephesians chapter three, it talks again, Paul is explaining to us the importance of this one word and how important it is for us to have a connection to God through this word love. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17 through 20, he says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, that you now may be able to comprehend or understand with all the other saints what is the width? These are the total dimensions of God, which are the width, the length, the depth, and the, and the height of God. If you want to get an understanding, to begin to get an understanding of this one word love, 1 John 4, 8 says God is love. If you want to get a clear understanding of that, he says get rooted and grounded. And well, okay, question is, how do I get rooted and grounded? 
you study love, you meditate on love, and you exercise love. Because God just doesn't want you to have an intellectual understanding of love because you've read a lot of books, you've read the Bible, you've heard a lot of sermons on love. It's deeper than that. God wants you to experience this love. Why? How do I experience? I experience anything by putting action behind my word that I trust God, that I am going, not going to take an account of a suffered wrong. I'm not going to let be moved by someone criticizing me. When people are criticizing me, I'm going to be complimenting them. Why? Because the power of love compels me to do this. I'm going to forgive those that hurt me. I'm going to do just the opposite of the negativity that's coming at me. I'm going to respond with positively. And again, this love may not change the person that I'm loving, but it sure is going to change me. Why? Because it's going to give me power. Can I give a talk to you just for a few minutes about this word power? This word power, uh, it, it, it comes in two words. One talks about uh, dunamis power, where we get our word dynamite. It, it means the power to change and rearrange things. And, and I know uh, <laughs> if you've ever seen dynamite at work, uh, when somebody explodes it, you, you know something's getting changed and, and rearranged. But the other one is ability, that God not just gives you uh, the, the power. He also gives you the ability. He gives you the power to love. He gives you the ability to love. He That's the, the equipping to love. He puts that on the inside of us and it changes us. Man, there's nothing that I've experienced in my life like being able to truly love someone else. Oh, watch this. Love myself. Mm. Love God, love myself, and love others. Receive God's love for me. Share that love that he has given me back to him. Receive that love for myself and love myself, and then I can love others. Remember, we talked about at the beginning, we talked about relationships. It comes through the word, comes from the root word, relate, which means to connect. And now through love, I'm connected with God. And Galatians 5, 6 says this, that my faith in God is dependent upon how much I recognize God loves me. The more I recognize that God loves me, the more faith and trust that I have in God. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, you see children all the time. When children know that they can depend on their parents, then they find security. Then they find this sense of belonging. Then they they find this sense of, I know my parents are going to come through for me. You know, I I experienced that growing up with my father. And uh, when I would go to my father and and I would ask for something, he he wouldn't necessarily say yes, but he would say, let me see what I can do. And to me, that was like saying yes, because now daddy is on the case. And I I, I never even thought about what daddy had to do. Uh, 99.9% of the time I was asking for money. (laughs) And I had no idea how my father 
uh, looking back, was going to find the money, was going to change and rearrange things. But my father would always seem to come through. And the more he did that for me, the more confidence I had in him. And uh, when my wife and I met, you know, I was like 21 years old, which means that I've been with my father now for 21 years. And she observed me one day and she said, your, your father give you, uh, give you and your brothers and sisters everything you want. And I said this, he doesn't give us everything that we want. We just know what to ask for. And because we know that what we ask our father for, for, he has always shown us that he's willing to give it to us. So we have learned to only ask for what we know that we could get. We had our confidence. And so when I, as, as I got older, by the time I'm 21, I had been with him long enough that he had trained me to know what to ask for. So when I asked him for something, I had a hundred percent confidence that he was going to give it to me. I wasn't really asking to see if I was going to get it. I was asking just to let him know that I need what I know he's going to give me right now. <laughs> did you, you did you catch that? Uh, you can relate this to God. Uh, God wants to bless you. And again, when you have this love relationship with God, man, the power of this one word. You know he wants to heal you. You know he wants to deliver you. You know he wants you to overcome any unforgiveness that you have in your heart. You know that he wants to deliver you from any habit that you have. You know that because of the relationship with you. And Paul says this uh, in Romans chapter 8. Uh, man, we're about out of time. But in Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39, I'm reading this out of the New King James Version. He says, for I am persuaded, just like with my natural father, I was persuaded. I have confidence. He says, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing shall be shall be able to separate separate us, not from my love for God, but to separate from us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That that love that He says, love one another the way that I love you. He says, you. There's nothing you can do. My God, this one word called love. He said, there's nothing you can do. And I don't care how bad you think it is. There's nothing you can do that will ever separate me from loving you. And then he goes back and he says, that's the way I want those that are following me to love others. That there is nothing that anyone can do. And I believe <laughs> now some people out there can, can come up with some stuff to do against you that can try your love. But he also says this. Mm, this is another good one. In First John, I believe uh, 416, somewhere around 418, he says this love never fails. No, that's in First Corinthians chapter 13. He says this love will never fail. And what that means is, is that when everything has been passed away, this love, 
God's love in us will still be standing. When hate is gone, when prejudice is gone, when uh, resentment and bitterness and unforgiveness, he said, all of those things will pass away. But love, the love that's on the inside of you will still be standing. It never fails. And what that word fails means, it will never, ever go away if you decide to exercise it. And it's the key to keep holding a marriage together. It's the key to hoping, holding a family together. It's, it's the key to holding friendships together. It's the key to keeping us, these countries, from killing one another, from these, these so-called presidents and leaders. Man, we could get them to understand the love of God. Well, I'm out of time. I, I hope you got blessed today as we uh, just touched the, uh, just touched the surface of understanding this one word, love. I'm talking about the God kind of love. And again, if this has been a blessing to you, please uh, hit like, share, uh, share any comments that you might have. Uh, we come to you weekly, uh, every Thursday morning. I'm Pastor Jay. This is the Pastor Jay Podcast. You can uh, follow us on YouTube at the Pastor Jay Podcast. Please like, share, subscribe. Uh, if this has been a blessing to you, just drop me a comment and uh, let me know that, uh, again, I'm not here to impress. I'm here to inspire. This is not about looking at me. It's about looking at him. It's not about making me famous. It's about making Jesus Christ famous. That's what we want to do. It's about this gift of love that God has put on the inside of you. It's about bringing it out of you so you can be a better you. All right, let me pray for you before you go. Let me speak a blessing over you and take this serious that God uh, God wants you blessed. And again, uh, I'll be teaching on grace in a few, maybe weeks or so. And uh, you'll, you'll understand uh, that the first thing Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount was blessed are you, blessed are you, Matthew chapter five, blessed are you, blessed are you, blessed are you. And so that's what I want to remind you of in this prayer, how blessed you are. Father, I just thank you and praise you for all those uh, that are under the sound of my voice that will hear uh, this message today or even in the future. I thank you and praise you that you've blessed them with all spiritual blessings, that they're seated with you in all heavenly places. I thank you and praise you that they begin to see themselves as blessed. They talk blessed. They expect bless and that they be a blessing to others. Watch over their homes, protect them, keep them from all hurt, harm, and danger. We pray for our leaders, these presidents of the United States, uh, Vice President Harris, uh, all of the leaders that are uh, congressmen, uh, senators and congressmen that are making uh, vital decisions about our future. But Father, ultimately, we put our trust in you. We put our faith in you. We count all of these things done in our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ. Amen.